The reading this morning is from Luke um, chapter 24, reading from verse 13 to verse 32. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some woman among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he we were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he'd reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Thanks, Viv. You're enjoying Easter Day. So it's a very special day. Thanks. I think it's fascinating that these two guys disciples of Jesus, certainly part of the bigger crowd, not just the 11. We know one of their names, Cleopas, the other one we don't know. But we do know that they were obviously close enough to the 11 to be around when the women came back from the tomb. We're going to be looking at this and looking at why, why did Luke insert this story into his gospel. It's the only time it's mentioned, it's not mentioned by the other, the other guys. What was it that actually Luke is trying to convey and get across to his readers, to us? We heard Shah just on the video. She talked about this amazing life that she needed to investigate 
these claims because she heard the testimony of her sister and it powerfully affected her. And on today, this is a time where we're looking at what was it that happened when Jesus rose from the dead. And Luke inserts this story of these two guys on the road to Emmaus. And I just want to say in it, I just think there's a kind of, there's a whole parody really of exactly what it's like for us kind of encountering the risen Lord. If you haven't ever encountered the risen Lord, there's much in this passage for you. If you have, there's still even more. As we just see how Christ reveals himself. So, these guys were obviously in deep discussion and debate about recent events about Jesus' death. Jesus joins them and acts like he has no idea what they're discussing. Such that they actually think he's completely out of touch. Like, duh. <laughs> Are you the only guy who is completely unaware of what's been going on with us. And it seems like, the strange thing is he, he sort of carries that on. He kind of, he doesn't go, oh, sorry, just caught you there. <laughs> it's me, you know. <laughs> he, he kind of carries on this whole thing. And he kind of just walks with them for hours. And they don't, twig at all who he is for a long, long time. <laughs> First point is that it says that they were prevented from recognizing him. Um, which means that they obviously knew him well enough to recognize him before the crucifixion, but right now they didn't recognize him. And I just want to kind of park in here a little, that this lack of recognition. What is it that actually causes a lack of recognition? What we see is that he keeps walking with them and he, he explains to them much of the Old Testament scriptures. He rebukes them at one point. He spends the rest of the day with them only to finally, when he's breaking bread with them, that they actually realize you're the risen Christ. Sometimes I think back to my earlier days before I came to know Jesus. And I question, I wonder why, what was it for me that made it so that I didn't recognize him? Why was I so slow to really recognize Jesus? I was very fast on some other things. I was really slow on this point. <laughs> Albeit that it happened when I was 17. But, it, it, you know, I still look back and still think, come on, Matthew, what was going on? What is it that stops millions of well-educated people across the world who are around people who know Christ and yet they never recognize him? What is that? 
Well, we see here that Luke the doctor, who wrote this gospel, um, he also wrote the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles, there's that question of what did he, what was he doing? These, these are not just random events. Sometimes when I was an early, earlier believer, I used to just think it was kind of random events. When it was just kind of like, well, tell me what happened. And it kind of all came out. No, 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 he's, he's, he's really thinking. What do I insert here? What am I putting? Well, why am I putting that there? What, what am I trying to show? What am I trying to demonstrate? What am I trying to help my reader to actually understand by this? Why am I putting this in here? And I want to say that He's showing that perspective and belief in Jesus are linked. If you wanted to fabricate such a story, why only put one person's name in? Why put somebody's name in that other people can go and check out at that time? They would say, oh, Cleopas, I will just go around there, you know, come on, Cleopas, tell us, was this story just, did he just make that up? So they were able to check it out. The strange fact is that our ability to see clearly and our belief are clearly connected. So that again, our ability to see clearly and our belief are completely connected. I, I read, I don't know if I saw, uh, if others of you saw this fascinating BBC series. Um, I'm still kind of working myself my way through it. But um, it was uh, done by a neuroscientist called David Eagleman, and it was really showing how our brains worked. I don't know if anybody saw that. Um, I'm going to show you a little clip in a moment. Um, but we see that we are hugely affected by what we've previously got in our brains that actually helps us to interpret what we're seeing. So it's not just we, we, we think, actually, no, we're all seeing this and actually saying is no no it's it's actually everything that we see is interpreted by our brains so our brains tell us oh yeah that's where that is and that's what that is and it actually dictates that to us tell some stories of some people who were medically blind and uh, were then they managed to work on their sight to actually get them to see and they had real difficulty seeing because actually their brains, they had no previous thing to say what they were seeing to make any sense of it at all. So it was kind of jumbled. Um, and so we see that we actually, to make sense of what we're seeing, we actually, it, it is affected by what's happened and what we are believing. Let's see the vid and then I'll speak into that. It's quite a fun vid for you to see. <clears throat> Take a look at this middle square here. Does that look more similar to the light square or the dark? Well, it looks like a light square, yeah? You might be surprised if I move it. Now it looks like a dark square. Interpretation. That's really tricky. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is about more than just 
perception of reality has less to do with what's happening out there and more to do with what's happening in here. Mm. So then we have some kind of science of it. What we see is how our brains alter what we see according to what else is in the picture. So going back to Cleopas and his friend, their kind of belief at this moment was that actually they weren't totally convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead. They were having a lot of discussion about it. They actually considered the whole thing had been one ghastly kind of built up to some crescendo, and then the guy had died. I thought this was the Messiah. That's what their belief system was saying to them. And therefore, when Jesus came and started walking beside them, they weren't immediately thinking, hey, let's look out, because you know what? God, God's around. He could appear anywhere. They, were, they had a belief that actually the whole thing was terribly kind of empty and confused. So because of their lack of faith and lack of expectation, it actually affected their ability to see. I want to say that our faith, our expectation or lack of it totally affects how we see Jesus. Do we see him as somebody who never existed? Do we see him as somebody who was a man but who died and never rose? Or do we see him as a risen saviour, truly the son of God? That's what we're celebrating. That's why Easter is so important. Because it cracks that whole thing. It's not just a, a, a really very gifted guy, but who died. This was very God living and walking amongst us. We would like to think that had we been around in Jesus' day, we'd have recognized that God was out and about on the hillsides and towns, whereas clearly thousands didn't. I was, read an amusing article this week about J.K. Rowling, who, as you know, wrote one of her recent books under another pseudonym. And she wrote to, the, to an editor, so didn't let on who she was, wrote to the editor, and the editor wrote back a very sweet letter, but saying, I'm terribly sorry, we're, we're not going to take your book. And I, I actually think it may be good for you to take some writing lessons. <laughs> Which I thought was very, very funny. If only, I bet afterwards he's thinking, if only I'd recognize who she was. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When I was, I just think it was like that for me, that why could I not see Jesus even though others had a clear relationship with him and talked to me about him, simply I just didn't believe. It wasn't in my worldview. I didn't allow anything that wasn't sort of physical of this world to kind of break in and say there is another world that's breaking in and affecting me. When Jesus rose from the dead, 
people suddenly saw, the hidden Christ was suddenly revealed to them. This is very God. It was a pivot point in the whole of history. Secondly, we're told about these guys' hopes. Okay, verse 21. We were hoping, they said, that he was going to redeem Israel. That they would have known the promises of old, the Old Testament, such as Psalm 130. We will, he will redeem Israel from all their sins. And we need to kind of realize in this that um, Luke is wanting to draw our attention to this. That actually they had a misunderstanding or they mis- mistakenly uh, kind of understood that actually this was the end. N.T. Wright says, they had been living in the currently prevailing version of the Jewish story and it certainly wasn't supposed to end with the violent death of God's anointed. The life, death and resurrection of Jesus is in fact the climax of the story for Israel. Not only did they not recognize Jesus, but they completely missed the point. I think sometimes it doesn't really matter if we completely miss the point on some things. We can miss the point on a joke, okay? Uh, Often uh, when Anne and I are watching some TV detective story, Anne is always much quicker at me at grasping who is the murderer. She can tell right at the beginning. She just goes, bang, it's that person. Obvious. obvious. I go, how can you say that? <clears throat> and of course, then I'm taken, as they do, to take you down all the red herrings of all the other people that it might be, because that's what it's about. Uh, <laughs> and actually, I go, okay, yeah, you were right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in some things, it doesn't really matter. But in some things, it really, really does matter. It really matters. What to hold on to in this life and what to let go of. These guys were crestfallen. Their hopes had been dashed. Clearly they were deliberating whether their faith in Jesus as Messiah was in fact misguided. And it seems that they really only saw Jesus as a prophet. We see that in verse 19. It says, mighty indeed and word but not categorically the Messiah or the Son of God. And we too can end up where we can kind of see him as some good guy. Yeah, did some miraculous things, profound things, said some profound things, but we fall short of seeing him as truly and fully God, the one who rose from the dead. The third day had passed when Jesus had said that he would rise from the dead. And it's interesting, this point I think is fascinating, that these two guys, they're with Jesus and they're telling him, in verse 22, they say, well, some women amongst us amazed us. The interesting thing is just to say that some women amongst us amazed us, okay? Uh, the, the funny thing is that you're thinking, okay, let's just read back a little bit about what Luke says about this account. Let's just see if this amazed us. 
kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, we heard their story, and it just amazed us, meaning, meaning we, they came running back from the tomb, they told us the story, and then we were like, wow, really? Let's look at what Luke says, verse 11. I love it. Um, verse 11, have we got that? Uh, and this is the women had been first to the two, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, and several other women rushed back to tell the apostles what had happened. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. <laughs> That's Luke's interpretation. <laughs> so there's a little difference, isn't there, between they amazed us to actually... It just appeared as nonsense to us. We kind of heard these women, and we just thought, what a load of rubbish. I mean, come on. You know, you, just, you can just hear it. That actually, I think it's an amazing point that actually we see that the first people to see Jesus risen from the dead are not men but are women. If you were going to manufacture this story in first century Palestine, you would not have had women giving you the main testimony because they would have this rather similar response as verse 11, which says that they actually appeared as nonsense. They wouldn't have been believed. They would have just been considered hysterical. And kind of over-emotional. Of course, they're just a little bit neurotic. That's, of course, we're not going to believe you. And before we go on, let me just ask you. Do you identify with any of these guys' responses? Do you hear sometimes people's experiences of coming to Christ and think, yes, well, they do clearly believe it. You know, they can be a little bit prone to fanciful and emotional responses. And anybody who's just got a bit of a kind of clearer scientific mind is just going to see what a load of absolute rubbish that is. That can be our response. Yeah? Just seeing it as emotionalism. I want to tell you that Jesus is walking beside you right now. You might not realize it. You might not recognize him. But he is. He promises to relentlessly pursue us. Even when we're too distracted or dull to realize it. He's walking beside us. And do you know what Jesus' response is? How do you think Jesus would respond? I just love Jesus' response. How does he deal with these guys? Listen, guys, you obviously slightly missed the point here. Let me just go back and let me just explain this whole thing again to you so that you, you've really got the point. What he says is this, verse 22. He says, O foolish men, 
slow of heart. Oh, foolish men. <laughs> slow of heart. Dull of heart. <laughs> he doesn't make any bones about it. He goes straight. They still don't actually know it's him, but they, just, they obviously just take it from this stranger. Oh, <laughs> foolish man. You know, I mean, just, whoa, come on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the thing I love about this is that he doesn't seem to worry about offending people. He is obviously more concerned that they would understand truly what is going on than worrying about offending them. Goodness me. Whereas today we're at pains to walk a thousand miles around a subject in order to not offend anyone. Possibly. Did I say anything that at all made you kind of ruffled? He didn't just leave it there. In fact, so he doesn't just sort of think, oh yeah, he just kind of fired off something. But he then spends the next hours unpacking, it says painstakingly, the whole Bible starting at Moses and working all the way through to try and explain to them why this is the most glorious day in planet's history. All scripture pointed to it. All heaven was waiting for it. All the angels rejoiced in it. And all of mankind now has the opportunity to live in the good of it. This was an amazing day and is an amazing day still. And it's still there. It's not a historical thing. This is here today. Jesus is walking here today. He's saying here today. He's saying Oh, foolish men and women, slow of heart, wake up. I'm here. I am alive. I am the living God walking and breathing amongst you. Finally, we get to the point. Finally, it's that their eyes were opened and they see Jesus for who he is. After they invite him to break bread with them, he then disappears in front of them and they remember how their hearts were burned when he spoke to them. They could have let him walk on to the next village. It says he looked like he was going to walk on to the next village. And they stopped him and they said, no, 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 hang on, hang on. Why don't you just come and be with us and eat with us and stay with us. And if they hadn't done that, they would have never known, would they? If they just kind of let him go and go, well, yeah, there's a McDonald's in the next, in the next place, you know, it'd be fine. You know, but they actually said, no, no, come. Come and stay with us. Come and be with us. And I want to say to you this morning, on this amazing Easter day, that we're celebrating Jesus rising from the dead, and much more for all those who put their hope in him, a guaranteed resurrection in the life to come. That's what we're guaranteed. I want to say to you, I believe that Jesus is walking amongst us. And... Are you going to 
let him go on by, or are you going to get hold of him? Like we heard with Shah that she wanted to check it out more and find out more and say, come and, come and be with me. I want to find out more about you. I want to connect more with you. I don't want to just kind of let you kind of go on. I want, why don't you come and stay with me? Why don't you come and talk to me? We've got to do that in our hearts, though. We've got to actually stop long enough to say, this is what I want, Lord. This is what I want. This is what I need in my life. It wasn't just, oh, nice journey, see you later, but actually come and be with me. I love this. I love this story, and it's a real story. It's not just a made-up story. It's a real story. It was obviously a divine Jesus story that Jesus made happen. And he's saying something about himself. He's saying he doesn't force himself. He could have walked on by. He's just ambling along, just walking along with us. He's not forcing us. <clears throat> but he's waiting for us to recognize him. He's waiting for us to actually stop and say, come and I want to take some time with you. I want to find out more about you. I said earlier, there's some things that doesn't matter if you don't get the point, but some things really do matter. You really do need, if you don't know Jesus, you really do need to check him out. You need to take time to really look seriously at his claims. There's a verse in Revelations that says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious. This is the day we're celebrating Jesus is victorious, rising from the dead, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. I'd like the band to come on up, please. We're going to worship together this glorious Jesus. I want to say to you, don't just let him walk on by. Don't just kind of accept him as like, yeah, well... He was obviously a good guy, maybe a bit of a prophet. I want you to look at him and say, no, Lord, help me. Help open my eyes. Help me where I, my brain is kind of switched off and I don't see him. Help me to see him for all his splendor and all his glory.